you're trying to deal with life, it just becomes a part of it. I mean, I was a, a fully functioning alcoholic. There were a lot of people that were shocked when I was like, I have to stop drinking. I have a problem. And they were like, what? Because I was going to work. Like people just didn't know what was happening. So were you drinking at work? No, I was not drinking at work, but um, I was very hungover at work. I mean, I would, I worked at a job where I had to be there at like 6 a.m. and I would leave at 2.30. I was on union hours. And so I was probably still drunk in the morning going in. And then I would literally have my Uber driver stop at the liquor store and help me, like not help me, but stop for me so I could pick up alcohol and then go home and I would start drinking as soon as I got home from work. In partnership with The Morning Chalk Up and part of The Morning Chalk Up Podcast Network, this is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am your host and the Clydesdale. My friends are Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie, and Kat Shear. We are here to bring you the best interviews with the biggest personalities in the fitness world and CrossFit from all over the world. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and write a review. It's such a big help to our podcast. And with that, we're on to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. RX Mark Your Jump Ropes, the best jump ropes in the business. Our title sponsor and such great support from them. You can get your RX Mark Your Jump Ropes by going to rxmarkier.com. At checkout, use Clydesdale15, all caps, and you can get 15% off your order. Uh, you can buy jump ropes of any color, shape, size, uh, the handles. You can make those whatever you want. You can get the cable at different weights um, and different lengths depending on your height. So check it out at rxmarkier.com. Use Clydesdale15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. That does exclude new additions, new arrivals and special editions, but check that out. Uh, it's a great deal. In addition to that, they're also supporting our hashtag road to a thousand. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, and you have a public profile. Every time we hit the century mark with subscribers, we're giving away a brand new RX Mercury jump rope. And Dave Newman, the owner of the company, has promised to throw in a couple extras uh, for that winner. So make sure you go over, subscribe, and uh, you have a public profile, and you may be our next winner. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I am your host. I am the Clydesdale. We love to do fitness. And I am with a very special friend that I got to meet last weekend at the Masters Fitness Collective. And her name is Emily Molnar. Uh, she is out of South Jersey. And she is a great competitor, very competitive athlete. But her story is better than anything she could do on the floor. And so we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit uh, in the path that got her to the Masters Fitness Collective. So... I'm going to start by when you were a kid, you weren't really an athlete, but you did some BMX racing. Yes, I did BMX riding. Um, and I've always been a tomboy and one to do one to, if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And you were always that way. You always wanted to prove people wrong. Yes. yes. So how long did you ride bikes? Um, I started probably freshman year of high school and then 
almost all the way throughout college. And then I kind of got sick of throwing myself at the ground and getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, did you do a lot of the jumps and the tricks and all that I stuff? I did, yeah. I um, jumps, parks, you name it, that was what I did. Uh, it was part of the reason why I came, <coughs> came down to Philadelphia was because the, the biking scene was so awesome. Awesome. So um, you, the, the part of your story that kind of gets you this started is a little bit low and we're going to, but we're going to ramp back up. Right. So yep. at some point you become an alcoholic. Yes. And so what was it that led to that? Um, I think that it was a coping mechanism for me. I was dealing with some stuff in my life, relationships, jobs. Um, and I was just trying to make that pain go away. I didn't realize what I was doing um, until someone someone said to me, they're like, you have a problem. Like, you're never going to stop drinking. And I turned around and I was like, oh, really? Watch me. And so I stopped drinking that, that day. Um, that, I had my last drink and that was it. So while you're in it, it didn't start like day one, you were an alcoholic. Like you- you, you were using it as a coping mechanism, but how did it, how did it get out of control? Um, I actually, I got laid off from a job and I had a lot more time on my hands. And it was just one of those things where you're drinking and you're drinking, you're, you're thinking you're doing it for fun. You're just having a good time. And then it came down to, you know, I was shaking so hard in the morning that I couldn't make a cup of coffee without having a drink. And it just, you don't realize it. It's just, you're trying to deal with life. It just becomes a part of it. I mean, I was a, a fully functioning alcoholic. There were a lot of people that were shocked when I was like, I have to stop drinking. I have a problem. And they were like, what? Because I was going to work. Like people just didn't know what was happening. So were you drinking at work? No, I was not drinking at work, but um, I was very hungover at work. I mean, I would, I worked at a job where I had to be there at like 6 a.m. and I would leave at 2.30. I was on union hours. And so I was probably still drunk in the morning going in. And then I would literally have my Uber driver stop at the liquor store and help me, like not help me, but stop for me so I could pick up alcohol and then go home and I would start drinking as soon as I got home from work. Wow. Yeah. And that was an everyday? That was an everyday thing. Okay. So a friend comes to you and says, Emily, you need to try this CrossFit thing. Did that friend know that you had that problem? He might have, um, because he had had problems himself. So he might have had an idea, but I had actually more than one person be like, you should try CrossFit. Like you would really like it. I had been doing, um, I don't know what it's called. It's like a, a, one of those spin classes where your name is up on the board in the front for everybody to see. And I was like, Ooh, I really like, I need to be at the top of this, this list, this board. Um, and I don't remember. It was one of those brands like soul cycle or something like that. And it just, that kind of thing. Like I enjoyed working out, but I was, I would drink and work out. Like there was no, it was just part. It was like having a water bottle, but it was alcohol. 
And so people have said, you need to try CrossFit. You will love CrossFit, like do CrossFit. I think partially because of riding the bike too. Like that had always been, you know, not extreme, like not that CrossFit is extreme, but on that side of things, I just, that's been my personality. And so I tried it. (laughs) So, so, but if we're honest, that first day, the first day you went and tried CrossFit, you were still drinking and you were drunk during that class. I was drunk during that class. The people who coach that class do know now um, what was going on. Um, so yeah, I actually credit CrossFit to helping save my life in more than one way because that next class that I went back to, uh, I had been sober for less than 24 hours. And I used CrossFit as a new outlet of something to take my mind off of what I was, you know, feeling inside. And so within the first week of trying CrossFit, I got sober and never looked back. And you, and you tell the story you did earlier in this podcast that that a, a friend challenged you that you couldn't stop yes. and you were going to prove them wrong. Yep. And we are as of Sunday, so it was two days ago, four and a half years sober. That's incredible. <clears throat> but you had another addiction to overcome as well. Yes. Couldn't do both at the same time. So the second one was cigarette smoking. Yes. And how did that go while trying to CrossFit? Um, I think because I had smoked for so long and like I rode my bike and smoked. So to me, like it didn't even phase me that I was doing both at the same time. Like it was just so such a part of me for so long that I didn't know like the effects that it was having on my, on my training. Um, you know, and I was not, I knew I wanted to compete, but I was not like a competitor yet. If, if we're going there. I mean, I thought I knew that like when I first started, I saw the open and I was like, Oh my God, like my first day, I was like, I want to do the open. They're like, you've never touched a barbell. Like let's, let's back it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I probably six or seven months in then made the decision like, all right, I need to, I need to quit smoking. I have conquered, conquered alcohol. Uh, now it's time to quit smoking because I just, it does not work with this, with doing this. So um, as of October of this year, I'll have been smoke-free for four years. So did you notice, did you notice like a decline in your cardio or your engine with the, with the, during smoking? What, what was the trigger that made you say, I've got to stop this? I was trying to get my life together. Like I was trying to be healthy and I had never wanted to quit. And there was something that just was like, you need to stop this. Like you need to, need to really be healthy. Cause I, said to everybody else. I mean, I, I had already started personal training people and I, you know, prided or I wanted everybody else to be healthy. And here I was, you know, smoking and I mean, people didn't know, but you know, how can I have help everybody else if I'm not doing the same thing for myself? So you go to quit that. And you told me at the master's fitness collective that it was harder to quit smoking than it was to quit drinking. 100%. It was more painful. Um, I actually helped my mom helped me. I went to her house and I gave her my pack of cigarettes, um, which she found like two years later and was like, where did these come from? Um, cause she hid them from me and apparently herself. And so 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just, I needed somebody to be like, cause I, I know if I was on my own, as soon as it got uncomfortable at that point, I was not a strong enough person. I probably would have gone and just bought another pack. And so to have somebody who wouldn't let that happen for at least like the first 48 hours made it, you know, a little bit, I'm not going to say easier, but I needed that support to do it. It is so much, it's just harder for me at least. Right. So, so you quit smoking, you quit drinking, you're crossfitting now for seven, eight months, and then there's a traumatic life experience that happens uh, to kind of kick you in the butt. And so tell our listeners what happened next. Um, so November that year, I had a grand mal seizure. I lost consciousness. I seized hard enough that I gave myself rhabdo um, on top of a concussion because I don't think people realize when you seize, you're seizing really hard. Um, and my life changed forever after that. And so what did they find was the reason for uh, the seizure? Uh, they found out that I had a brain tumor, that I had cancer. Uh, they initially had thought it was a brain bleed. Um, they watched it for at least two months before I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, they did think it was a different type of cancer than it was that was more deadly, if I'm being honest. Um, and it wasn't until I had a craniotomy, I had a um, full, full craniotomy, so I have a plate in the top of my head, but it wasn't until then that they realized that it was not, um, they thought initially it was a glioblastoma, but it was not. And I consider myself extremely lucky if you know anything about a glioblastoma. I mean, that is, that is a death sentence, even still to this day with new technologies. So to go for, you know, six weeks thinking that this is the end to, okay, this sucks, but it's might be treatable for now it's treatable. Um, changed my life. I mean, the whole thing changed my life, but that, that moment of, all right, you have, it's called CNS lymphoma. Um, it's not a glioblastoma. Like we, we can probably beat this. That changes your life. Like that, that whole outlook and, you know, the entire time I never wanted to think of myself as a cancer patient. I'm a very positive person and I tried to live the lifestyle of an athlete and almost fake it till you make it during the entire time. But just that, like, I felt like I got a second chance at life when I found out that it was not a glioblastoma. Yeah. And so you were telling me that to keep your mind right, you were doing workouts in your hospital room. Yep. I brought food with me every single time I brought meal prep. Um, I wanted to eat as well as I could. Um, I wanted to really keep up that, that mindset of, you know, I, I knew already, like I wanted to compete, but when all this happened, I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to make it happen. And so to keep spirits up and keep a healthy lifestyle, I, you know, did whatever I could. There's pictures of me doing handstands in the hospital. There's pictures of me, um, you know, doing push-ups and squats and that kind of thing because I wanted to do my training. I, I had somebody writing programming for me and he wrote me stuff that I could do in the hospital. I mean, even stuff as you need to do five laps around the hospital, um, you know, 
three, three of the days that you're inpatient there so that I would make sure that I got up, that I had somebody keeping me accountable. Um, the nurses always joke, they're like, you're healthier than we are. Uh, <laughs> so that was, that was what I tried to do the entire time. And I, you know, the doctors credit me. They, they all know that I'm like the CrossFit girl, like that has become <laughs> well known, but I mean, they, they definitely say that if I wasn't living the healthy lifestyle, I was living by that point it would have been a different game. Like I would not have made it through chemo so, so well. Um, so if anybody's, anybody's debating trying CrossFit, that's, this is your, uh, your sign to try it. So yeah, just to be clear, you were going through chemo doing all of this stuff. Yes. And yes. people have heard the horror stories of chemo. And did you have those side effects that everybody um, talks I, about? I did not lose my hair. Um, I, didn't have real side effects until after the year after was probably harder for me than anything else. Um, I had to go immediately back to work as soon as I was done treatment. Um, and so I went back to work and I ended up gaining probably 30 plus pounds from being on the steroids. Um, and that didn't make things easy and mentally, you know, I've dealt with, obviously I said I was using alcohol for coping mechanisms. I've dealt with issues with anxiety and depression. So I have, I've been diagnosed with severe depressive disorder. And so some of that stuff kind of came back up after treatment. Like I hadn't dealt with everything and going through all of that and facing, you know, I guess you could call it a near death experience, like facing all of that kind of came back up and that made it, made the next year very challenging having to deal with everything and, you know, some I was so fatigued and I didn't realize it. I was trying to train and trying to, you know, be this competitive athlete. And I look back now and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize like how far in a hole I was recovery wise from chemo until now that I'm out of it. I'm like, oh, I was not okay in so many, like physically, mentally, all of that after. Um, and I just didn't realize it at the time. So I have so many questions. Um, so let me back up just a little bit. So you actually did two competitions while on chemo. Yes, never, never do that. I, you know, was trying to keep spirits up and I thought that was a great plan, but you're just, even if you feel like I'm 100%, like you're not, your body is not the 100% that you're used to it being just so fatigued. So like you just, you feel like your muscles don't work is the best way that I can describe that. Um, but I did it and I, you know, kept a smile on my face and it made me happy. I am so, so competitive, but I also enjoy it. Um, I like competing. I like going to competitions. I like the community that surrounds CrossFit. And so that was, you know, one of the things that I did during treatment and try and keep myself going. Is there any connection with you doing that and the year after taking longer to recover? Or do you think that was just a natural progression that was going to happen regardless? I think that was a natural progression that was going to happen regardless. I um, So I had 10 different infusions plus immunotherapy. The first eight were what they call induction um, infusions, and they were a specific, specific type of chemotherapy. The last two, um, I chose not to have a stem cell transplant because it would have mean, meant taking out my entire immune system and putting it back in again. And I was like, 
this is going to affect my quality of life. It doesn't make any sense to do this. So they gave me consolidation treatments that were not, I mean, they knew what they would do, but they were not like, not as studied as the stem cell transplants were. And they knew that it was gonna hit me harder. And so even though the chemo itself probably wasn't in my system, it was the after effects from those two consolidation treatments um, that seemed to have such an effect on me. And I think it's just, it's a hard thing to go through. I can be the toughest person in the world, but I still, you know, every once in a while it hits me. I'm like, I had cancer. Was that real? Was that a dream? Like that kind of thing. And I think that a lot of that after was dealing with the combination of all of that. So you mentioned um, the depressive disorder and anxiety. Yep. Who, did you seek help to get that fixed as well? Yep. Um, it's still something I deal with on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I take medication for it. I'm open about it because I know that so many people are going through it. And that's, you know, a big part of why I'm open about my entire story and, and situation and where I've come from is because I want to help people. I want people to know that no matter what you've gone through in life, like if you set your mind something, you can do it. Like don't let anything or anyone hold you back. And so it's still something that I deal with. You know, sometimes it's really bad. Um, other times I'm totally fine. And I know, you know, as an athlete, I need to focus on my training and keep my stress levels low, um, especially, you know, when I'm getting to the point of doing, you know, higher volume and stuff like that. Um, everything counts. And I can't, you know, I don't want to be worried about stress and anxiety and, you know, being sad when I want to focus on my training and trying to be the best athlete I can be. So it's something that I, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. It is what it is. And, you know, it's, I gives me more room to focus on my, my goals. And you're not alone in that. I mean, I have fought the same thing myself. Um, in my story, it's something I didn't deal with up front and it came back uh, to haunt me later. And I'm on medication. I seek help uh, every month from two different avenues. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for sharing that because it is, for those of us who are going through it, like now that we're through it, we see how important it is. But um, when you're when you're suffering, you don't always know where to reach out to. I'll, I'll know when I've been down because I'll come out of it. I, you know, I think of the, the analogy of like riding a wave, like I've just got to ride through it, but I won't even know that I've been down until I'm out of it. And I'm like, wow, I was not okay last week. Like I was just not, not doing well. Um, you know, cause I'll, I can, I can tell for the most part when lifting, like I'll start to Clark the bar. If I'm too, like, if I'm too in my head about something else, it does play an impact on my training. And so I try as hard as I can, um, to make sure I take care of everything, journaling, breath work, meditation, you know, on top of speaking to, to somebody and, and all that. So let's fast forward. You have worked your butt off to become an athlete. Yes. Um, you said that your mindset going through chemo was you're an athlete, not, not a victim of cancer. Yep. And you are here at the Masters Fitness Collective competing against the fittest in the world. Yes. <laughs> And so I know that this is just a step, right? This is just a step for where you want to be. So walk us through that. Walk us through the feeling of knowing you qualified, that you got to be there, and then what your future goals are. So for me, 
I'm sometimes I have trouble realizing like how much progress I've made. I, I think of myself sometimes as like the athlete I was right after chemo. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that athlete, but I just, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'll never make it, that I, you know, don't have the athletic background. Uh, it's going to be really hard for me, but to me, that motivates me, that pushes me. And I, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not going to let anything stop me. And so to have qualified and, you know, be on the competition floor and know that, you know, I was competing against someone who had been to the CrossFit games and I was able to hold my own was just such an unreal feeling. I mean, um, the Saturday of the competition was three years exactly since my last chemo infusion and to be like, oh my God, here I am on this competition floor, like doing what I'm setting out to do is just mind blowing. Like I just, it's mind blowing. That's the only word, like there's no words for it. I had such a great time. I mean, I knew going into it, I was like, I'm not, I'm not here to win this. It's, it's the experience. It's to have fun. It's to learn, you know, my ultimate goal is to make it to the games as a master's athlete. Um, right now we have smaller goals, um, but I turned 35 next year. So that puts me into that master's category um the fitness collective had opened a 30 to 34 age group which is how I was out there to begin with but just you know and that's one more thing like that's why I was so excited to sit down with you because I want I want people to know like don't let it stop you don't don't let anything hold you back like if you want something like I work my butt off I mean every moment of my life is dedicated to you know what am I eating? What's my sleeping like? My training, you know, my mindset, my recovery, all of it. But I love it. I love what I do. I can genuinely say that I'm happy all the time. Beyond, beyond the days where I, you know, have have those, you know, anxious days, but I really am happy with what my life and I wouldn't change it. And, you know, it sucks what I went through, but I can't sit here it's made me who I am. And now I get to help people and enjoy my life. So. So I have to ask when people okay. tell you that, that you can't do it, that this is hard, do they know what you've already done? Yes. I, I really, I mean, I've had people who have told me and maybe like, this was, what you know, the hell <laughs> I had somebody who told me I was wasting my time. You, but I don't really care if I'm alcoholism, happy I'm doing, you quit smoking you beat cancer. There's nothing you can't do. Yeah. I, and I want, but I want everybody to know that they can do that same thing. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be CrossFit, but whatever it is, that thing that you want, like, go get it, go for it. So I also want to talk to you briefly about uh, an organization that was set up right beside me at the Masters Fitness Collective, and that's the Phoenix and they are, uh, they're an organization that provides a safe place for recovering addicts to go work out. Yep. And you have a connection with them. I do. Big shout out to them. Um, I'm actually going to an event with them on Thursday at a gym I coached at. But um, when I first had the seizure and they thought it was a brain bleed, I was not allowed to do any high intensity training. So what does someone <laughs> who loves CrossFit do? Well, the gym I was at at the time um, put me in touch with the Phoenix. And I actually, that was where I first got my start coaching. Um, I was a volunteer coach for them. So instead of doing workouts with them, 
I was in the sober community, helping, coaching, learning, um, you know, assisting coaching. I didn't have my L1 then, but um, during my treatment, during my chemo, I did get my level one uh, CrossFit uh, certification so that I could start coaching because I really, you know, I... (laughs) It's funny that the whole year is very hazy. And when I took my L2 a couple months ago, there was a lot of stuff I had to refresh on because I was like, you know, going through chemo and doing my L1, like don't remember everything. Gotta, gotta relearn some of this because I just, you know, I did it. But once again, like you don't realize like where you are until you're out of it. Yeah. And so just a shout out to the Phoenix, it's the phoenix.org. And if you're an addict in recovery and you are 48 hours sober, you are allowed to come work out for free uh, in a very sober and safe environment uh, to do so. So make sure you check those, those guys out because um, they're an awesome organization. And I know Emily uh, feels that way uh, because I heard her talking to them uh, at the event. So here you are, you're at the Masters Fitness Collective and there were some heavy barbells out there. Yes. No lie. And so the one event had, I don't know what the weight was. It was a, a clean and jerk um, to start the workout. And it was above your PR for just a clean, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew going into this, like, yes, I had qualified, but some of the, there was at least one workout where I was just going to have to stand there and I wasn't going to stand there and just be sad. I was going to cheer for, you know, the other competitors because I want to be there one day. There's no point in sulking. Use it as motivation. And I saw you, you got some footage of this moment, but you, yes. you kept trying to clean it. Yes. And what failing. happened next? Um, I kept failing. It was an eight minute cap. Um, it was, it started with five reps of a clean and jerk and I couldn't even clean the bar. And I, it's very like in general, there's so much emotion and adrenaline and everything that goes into competing. And I was starting to get emotional because I couldn't even clean the bar. And I was like, just, just disappointed in myself. Like not even not mad at myself. I know where I'm at. I knew this kind of thing would happen. And I used that emotion and I picked up the bar one last time and I did it. I cleaned the bar. Um, so it was a five pound PR, my hand clean. And I, it was just such an amazing moment to, my judge was ecstatic. I mean, he jumped higher off the ground. He ran over and gave me a hug. Um, Kat came over. She was so excited. Like I, for the rest of the day, I saw people and they were fist bumping me and giving me high fives and stuff because no, I didn't even get a point in the workout, but it was just, that's why CrossFit's so amazing. It doesn't matter. Like that was such an achievement for me of holy, you know, I'm, I'm just was able to do this bar. Like I've worked for every pound I've put on that bar. I have worked hard. You know, I really didn't have an athletic background growing up. And so to hit this clean was just such an awesome feeling. And I didn't care. I didn't care that I didn't get any points. I got to handstand walk though. So that was fun. And that was, I mean, that was late in the weekend. So not only did you hit a PR, but you had already been beat up a little bit going into that event. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And so I think what's awesome is like, that's the memory I take from the competition floor uh, home with me. And it wasn't the person who won. It was someone who overcame something that had been a hurdle for them. And that's, that's what you do. Like, 
that's what you've done your whole life. And it was just an awesome experience. And yes, the judge probably legally shouldn't have been jumping into your arms and hugging you, but it was a, such a cool of, of it because he wanted it as much as you wanted it for you. I, I, it's just like, I've watched it so many times and I get chills watching it. Not even because I cleaned the bar. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's obviously what I want. But just like the whole thing, like hearing people getting excited and, you know, if I motivated somebody from that to just keep trying, keep going, like that's, then I did what I wanted, you know? So you finished the weekend. Finished the weekend. You finished the weekend. And now how jonesed are you to keep going and get and achieve your goal of making the games it's just like it, every time i do a competition and like this was just bigger than anything i'd ever done like higher level like i it's hard i'm have to take three days off from training and all i want to do is work out i'm coaching people and i'm like i really want to do this workout but i'm trying to be good and like not go train but like it's you know head down grind i mean i have another competition in october that you want to, you want another cool story um so in november i did this competition i qualified for intermediate at the time um during the comp i took a barbell wrong to my back and i fractured my c6 I did not know, and I continued competing that day and the next day, um, and it wasn't until the Monday after that I was in the hospital, like, oh, and like, I, you know, I like split the bone down. Um, so that was another big, putting that bar on my back at, at MFC was another big thing. Um, I just qualified again for the comp for this year, not, I came in last and in intermediate in the comp, I just qualified for it in RX this year. So to see, like, I like, I, I'm like, I gotta start trying to believe in myself because like, it's, it's showing it's happening. Like, oh my God. Like I went from last and intermediate to not even a year later, I qualified for RX and, you know, I'm at the bottom of the barrel again. And that's fine. Cause you have every time you take that next step up, I mean, that's, what's going to happen. But like, I'm so excited. And it's just, you know, after that, it's, you know, more head down Like we, you know, the goal is to make quarterfinals and just one, one step at a time, brick by brick. There you go. And you're never at the bottom of any barrel with everything that you've done. You are never that, um, you know, I just think you're amazing. I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, like you said, like I said, you were the highlight of the weekend for me at masters fitness collective. Um, that was just, that was the goosebump moment of the weekend. I, you know, I want to inspire people. And so I'm glad to hear that I, I could do that. And we're going to stay in touch because yes. I want to see where the story goes. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have you back on. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, have a great me. rest of your day. Yes, you as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends in partnership with the Morning Chalk Up. Please consider giving us a five-star rating and leaving us a review. It really helps our podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.